us. So Genesis chapter 2, look with me in verse 22. All right, it says, And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Now look in verse 25. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Can I get an amen? Amen. That was mostly men, but that's okay. (laughs) Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, we love you. Uh, God, I pray that in our time together this morning that all the distractions of this week would be set aside. And God, that our full focus and attention would be on what you have us here for. And that's more than anything. That's just to meet with you. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to hearts today. I pray that you would take this message, God, and that you would, you would speak. Not me, but you. God, they don't need to hear my voice. They need to hear yours. So I pray this morning that, that we would hear your voice today. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen, amen. So Genesis chapter 2, we're looking at it. We have, what ends up happening is it's the beginning of creation. As many of you know, God created things. He spoke things into existence. I create stars, boom, stars. I create sun, boom, sun. He said, let there be light, boom, light, okay? So God does all this. He forms man, though. He creates man out of mud, and then he puts the man to sleep, takes out a rib, and makes a woman. So he's got this woman, and he creates her. Adam wakes up from sleep and sees a beautiful, stunning, naked woman in front of him, and he sings a song, and this is the song. This is woman, So this is kind of how it goes. He wakes up, beautiful naked woman. He's like, monkey, ant, elephant, mine. That one's mine. All mine. And from there we find out that God gives Adam and Eve this command. Now that you are together, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. I want you to have dominion over the earth. I want you to take care of all of the the earth, the the plants, the animals, everything that's going on. This is all yours. So so Adam's like, okay, so let me get this straight, God. So so I get a fine naked woman. You want me to have a lot of babies, and I get to rule over everything. Is that how it works? And God's like, yes. And he's like, I'm in. I'm in. You would be in too. I'm in for this. And then God says, but here's the deal. There's only one rule. Don't eat from this one tree. You can have everything, but everything else you can do, just don't, don't eat the one tree. As many of we, as, as, as we know, what ends up happening is, is they do. But before they do, there is, I want us to look at this verse more because this is so key. Verse 25, it says, And a man and his wife were both naked and were not, what does it say? Ashamed. Not ashamed. Naked, no shame. So the way that God created the earth when he had man and woman was no shame, no guilt, no hiding, joy in the presence of God. This is the way that God created us. This was God's original plan. Now jump with me to Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, and I want to show you something of what happens. So in Genesis chapter 3, what ends up happening is, of course, we know, we all know, that they don't do what God tells them to do. God tells them not to eat the fruit. They eat the fruit. Eve eats it. The serpent lies to her, says, oh, God doesn't know what he's talking about. He just doesn't want you to be like God. So she eats the fruit, partakes in the fruit. She gives the fruit. We think, many times we think that it was just all Eve's fault, but the truth is Adam was sinning right next to her. 
right next to her. He didn't, and he didn't stop her. And she hands the fruit to Adam. Adam partakes in the fruit, and immediately, now I want you to see what happens. As soon as they sin, as soon as they sin this is what happens. Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. The eyes of them were both open, and they knew that they were naked. This is the very first result from sin mentioned in the Bible, and it's shame. Shame enters in the world right here. Here's the truth. Have they always been naked, yes or no? Yes, Yes, they had always been naked. So this doesn't make sense. Their eyes were open, and they realized that they were naked. They were always naked. So how are they just now realizing, oh, you're naked? Because the nakedness that he's talking about is not naked in body. He's not talking about them being naked in body. He's talking about them being naked in the shame that they have. And so today I have a message that I want to entitle, Shame on You. Shame on You. Now there's a difference real quick that we got to get, we got to wrap our head around this. There's a difference between guilt and shame, okay? Because we feel guilty and we also feel shameful. But they're two very totally different things. Guilt is this. Guilt is I feel wrong for something that I did. Shame is I feel wrong for who I am. Two totally different things. See, guilt is I feel wrong that I did something. Shame is I have a sense that I am wrong. I am the one that is wrong. And that's what we have that's going on here. And every single one of us carries shame. Every single one of us. We all have some kind of shame in our past. And this whole series has been about getting past your past. And I think one of the ways that we have to get past our past is we've got to address this issue of shame. See, in the first week, we talked about the labels that bind us and and what people try to put on us and label us as. Last week, we talked about forgiving people who have hurt us and how, how we walk through forgiveness of people. And I encourage you to go back and listen to both of those messages. But this week... I think one of the greatest things that is in our past is not what people have done to us. It's things that we don't forgive ourselves for. It's forgiving ourselves. And so many of us walk around with shame. Shame for decisions that we made. Maybe it's a a sexual past. Maybe there was things in your life where you thought, man, this is fun and adventurous, and, and you got out and you just lived it up, YOLO, and made it happen. And now the problem, though, is, is that that sexual past is now catching up to your current marriage, and it's affecting your marriage. Maybe, it's, uh, maybe there's something that you, you said that you would never do. And for some reason, you keep doing it again and again and again and again. Maybe it's something that you said to a loved one. Maybe there's something that you've said to somebody and you look back at that and you regret it so much and it greatly damaged that person and there is shame that you're feeling for the things that you said. Maybe you've, got, you've made some bad decisions and now those bad decisions are catching up to you and there's shame that comes with that. Maybe you aborted a baby. Maybe you wish you had been a better parent and now your kids are living crazy and there's shame because you feel like you didn't, you didn't do what you should have done as a parent. I don't know what it is, but everybody in here walks with some sort of shame. There's also not only shame that, that we do, that we've committed, but some of you are walking in shame because of something somebody's done to you. 
Some of you are here are walking in shame because somebody touched you inappropriately or somebody did something or violated you in some way and they're off living scot-free but yet you're living with the shame of what this person did to you. Or maybe you're walking in shame of uh, what a parent or, 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 or a, a sibling or a family or maybe a coworker has shamed you in front of all of your employees or I don't know what it is, but I think all of us can be on the same page that we carry some sort of shame. All of us walk through some kind of shame. And, and here's the thing that I've learned about shame. Shame is always painful. It's always painful. Here's the th- other thing about shame. Shame's always persistent. How many of you know shame is persistent? Every morning you wake up, there's something that's telling you about your shame. Every morning. You're not a good parent. Just go back to bed. You're not good at this. You can't do that. You're, there's something constantly in your voice always telling you that you are this and that and this and that, and it's persistent. And this is what I've learned. Even though shame is painful and persistent, if you don't deal with it, it will be permanent. Shame will be permanent if you don't deal with it. So here's what I want to do today. I, I, my whole goal in this message is to try to get the shame off of you. That's my whole goal. I'm, I'm praying today that God would take shame totally off of you. But before we can talk about how God gets shame off of us, I want to talk about four ways that we try to fix our own shame. Because what you're going to notice in Genesis chapter 3 is that after Adam and Eve disobey, after they break God's rule, what they eventually go and try to do is they try to fix their shame. And they try to fix their, their shame in four different ways. And so if you've got notes, I want you to write this down. The first way that Adam and Eve tried to fix their shame And this is often the way that we try to fix it, is we try to mask it. We try to mask it. We try to mask the shame. Now, look at me in Genesis chapter 3 again, and look in verse 7. Verse 7, it says, Then the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And now that they know that they're naked, we got to do something about this. I mean, I'm naked. What do I do? And so what do they do? They, They sewed fig leaves together, and they made themselves loincloths. So the first thing that we try to do is we try to mask it. Oftentimes when we have shame on us, something that we've done or something that somebody has done to us, the first thing that we want to do is we want to cover it up. We want to try to cover it up as fast as possible. How many of you have seen the, um, those Febreze commercials? They just came out with them probably in the last year or so where they go and they take people, random people off of the street and they go and they put them in a room that is absolutely disgusting. Have y'all seen these commercials? And that, you know, they're in there and there's like rotten tomatoes and, and all this fruit everywhere. And they're in this nasty couch. It looks like cats have peed all over it. And they, you know, the people are all blindfolded and they're like, come on in. And then they're like, sit right down right here. And they're like, what do you smell? And they're like, mm, lilies in the field. Smells like Mountain Dew, you know. It smells like I don't know. You know, they're they're like saying all these things, and then they're like, "Okay, take off the mask," and they take off the mask, and they're like, ah! they realize like what they're sitting on and what there's around, and it, it, and the whole object of that commercial is to say, just mask the odor. Don't clean your house. Just mask it. <laughs> so I know some of y'all went out and bought Febreze in bulk, and like. Especially in your teenage son's room. He just, auto all the time. But, I, you know, I looked at that commercial. And I was like, that's kind of, I mean, that's cool that it doesn't smell that bad. But you, here's the problem. You still got the problem, though. The problem's still there. You just get to mask it. And oftentimes with our own shame, 
we want to do like Adam and Eve here, and we want to, we want to mask it. We want to attempt to cover up who we are with, with what we do. See, but there's two major downsides to making underwear out of fig leaves, because that's what they did. They made fig leaf underwear. There's two problems with that. Here's your two problems, okay? One, it's a temporary fix. It's temporary. Fig leaves will not last long. You will eventually have to replace the fig leaf, okay? So what ends up happening, this is, this is the same thing that we do, if you would listen to me on this. The same thing we do is we try to fix our shame with temporary relief. So we try to cover it up with, you know, I, 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 just, I just need something new, and we, we try to go buy stuff. So we go try to buy stuff to make ourselves feel good about ourselves. Well, the problem is that that's, you know, like, like the latest iPhone. In three weeks, it's an old iPhone. There's already a new one that came out. You know, and, and the new car and the new stuff, it just gets old fast, and you have to just replace it again. And so it's an ever-ending cycle of having to go get more and more stuff. Or maybe it's, maybe it's another partner. You know, you, you try to mask it by, by having another boyfriend and then another boyfriend, another girlfriend, another, and you try to mask it by, by trying to do different things, but it's just temporary and it doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't last. So not only is fig leaf underwear temporary and you got to keep replacing it over and over again. The other thing is it's irritating. Fig leaves are the most itchiest plant on the planet. You, you know, you would have thought they would at least gotten something like a palm tree. I mean, be smart about this, Adam. He goes for the fig leaf. And the fig leaf is absolutely irritating, and it's in the most private parts of your body. And yet the same way it is with how we deal with our shame is we try to cover it up with things. And what ends up happening, the things that we use to cover up our shame actually end up irritating us. So if you use relationships to cover up your relational hurts, that relationship will turn on you and you'll actually start hating that relationship. That's how it works. And so it gets extremely irritating and it's very temporary. Did you know, I I found this in studying, the only tree that Jesus cursed ever in the Bible, ever, the only tree Jesus cursed in Mark 11, guess what it was? Fig Fig tree. As if Jesus showed up on the scene and was just reminding them, I don't like figs, <laughs> which I don't like figs, by the way. I don't, maybe you do. That's cool. Uh, you're not in sin if you do. Just okay. Let me know if you like figs. I like fig Newtons. Okay. So I don't, that's way off. Okay. So I don't like fig jam. Okay. Let's, let's keep moving. So we try to mask it. Number two, we try to fake it. We try to fake it. We try to pretend. Here's the deal. We try to pretend like we're not naked. And so this is how we, we fake it. We act like it never happened. Oh, yeah. Or if, if, we, if we don't act like we never happened, then we act like it's not a big deal. We try to minimize it. And so whatever shame that we're carrying, instead of actually confronting it and dealing with it, we either pretend like it's not ever there, or we act like it never happened, or that it, it did happen. But you know what? It wasn't that big deal. You know, that was a long time ago. It's, not really, that, it's really not that big. But the truth is, it is a big deal. And it has been a big deal because here's the deal. You're, you've always been responding out of that pain. You've been responding out of that pain. And we act like it's not a big deal. and It's not that, pro, not that big of a problem. And, hey, we got it all together and we try to fake it and we got the smile and we got everything. And I'm going to tell you right now, this is where I think Facebook has damaged our culture. Because it's a Facebook way of living. 
let me give you a scenario. So let's say a lovely family wants to go and take their, you know, a dad says, man, I just want to have a lovely family picnic. Let's go to the park. We're going to take our, take our family to the park. And they, they load up all of the family in the, in the minivan. And we're going to go to the park. And we're going to have this lovely day. The pr- only problem is they took a whole group of sinners with them themselves. And they get to the park and, and dad's roasting the hot dogs. And real quick, before we know it, dad's burnt the hot dogs. And now dad is telling them in a loving way, you're going to eat the hot dogs. And then the, the kids are going crazy all over the place and hitting each other. And mama's crying now because all she wanted was just a lovely family picnic. Can't we just have a picnic together? And we're fighting all the time. And we're here at the park. And, and, and everything has just been terrible the rest of the day. And all we came to do was just to celebrate, to have a happy family. But here's the way that it works. By the time we're, we're just done and finished with each other and we're loading up, mom goes, hey, wait, wait, hold on. We got to take a picture So let's get the family together and we do a family selfie right in front of the park and we take that picture and everybody's smiling and we post it on Facebook. Oh, at the park with the family. (laughs) Come on, this is hitting a little too much home, huh? (laughs) And here's how it works. Everybody, all of your Facebook friends, they go, baby, I wish our family would just do stuff like that. I mean, they are so happy. They're so excited. I mean, just, they got the best family ever. And no one knows that you just fake that. And I think that's where Facebook has destroyed some of our culture. It's because only people want to post what makes them look good. They don't want to post the stuff that they're hurting through. You rarely see on the Facebook, scream to my husband, cuss out my kids, pray for me. Like you don't. We probably need to get a little real. What would that look like if us as the church would start getting real on Facebook? <laughs> maybe don't, maybe don't. But I, you know what, I, I, the problem I think with all this is that, that picture, that, that little family selfie, what that says to everybody that's looking at it, we're fine. We're good. Don't worry about us. We got it all together. And I think that mentality has creeped into the church. And people walk into the church fake. We're fine. Hey, how's it going this week? Good. And your wife is right beside you going, oh. You just lied to the pastor. We were screaming at each other before we walked in here. And we fake it. We fake it. I want to read a, a, read a verse to you. I think this will hopefully really help. Psalms 38, David. David had, um, had just committed adultery. This is, this is a crazy story. David had, had um, just gone and, 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 and the, he was looking at a woman. He had sent all of his guys to war and he was up at the top of his castle looking outside and saw a woman bathing and said, she's hot. I'd like that. Invites her over to his castle and has his way with her. She ends up getting pregnant. So the way that David decides he's going to handle this situation is to take her husband and put him at the front line of the battle. And when they got into the heat of war, tell all of his guys to pull out so that he would be killed. And it actually happened. 
It happened. He killed the guy. Not only did he sleep with the guy's wife and has a baby with him, well, a baby with her, he killed, killed his, her husband. And, and, and this is the verse that we find in the middle of this. Watch this. Psalms 38. Psalms 38, verse 4. It says this, I am drowning in the flood of my sins. They are burdened too heavy to bear because I've been foolish. And I'm utterly worn out and crushed, and my heart is troubled. And I think if there were some of you in here that would actually decide to actually be authentic and real, you relate to this verse way too much. You relate to this verse way too much. I'm exhausted. I'm worn out. I'm troubled. It's too heavy to bear. And I think we would just get honest. I think that's some of where you are. And, and I feel for you. Because, let, listen to me, being fake is exhausting. It's exhausting. As a person who is a professional poser, it's exhausting. Because you never know who you can be real with or who you've been real with, and then you never know, like, it, what if people find out really about me? What if they find out I really am struggling? And what are they going to think about me now? Because all they know me is being this way. And what if they, y'all with me here? And it's shame. It's shame. So we mask it. We fake it. Let's go to number three. We try to hide it. We try to hide it. Let's keep, let's keep reading. Genesis chapter three, verse eight through 10. It says this. And so they've, they've got the fig leaves. They got the fig leaf underwear. You know, it's not fruit of the loom. It's fig leaf of loom. And so they got that going on. And, and, but that's not enough. Watch what happens. In verse 8, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife, what did they do? Come on, let's say this out loud. They what? They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They hid themselves among the trees. Look at verse 9. But the Lord called to the man and said, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I, I hid myself. See, I want you to get this. If, if fig leaves had really covered their shame, if fig leaves would have worked and really had covered their shame, why did Adam and Eve hide in the bushes? You ever thought about that? If the fig leaves were enough to hide their shame, why did they have to go hide in the bushes? Why do they have to go hide in the bushes? Well, because if, if, if the fig leaves had hidden all their shame, then they could have just kept on going about their daily life and just living it up and, you know, all is good and be out in public. But they knew that the fig leaves never dealt with the shame. It didn't fix the same shame. So not only did they hide with the fig leaves, they actually hid themselves. And here's the crazy part. They hid themselves in the trees. Who made the trees? God made the trees. So what we find in this is that it wasn't just that their actions were wrong. They thought that they were wrong. They didn't just hide a part of them. They, they hid them. They hid themselves. I mean, think about it. Was, was there anything sinful in the fact that they were naked? Yes or no? Was there anything sinful that they were naked? No, because God made them that way. So the fact that they were naked, there was nothing sinful about that. God saw their nakedness and said, that's great. So that wasn't the issue. The issue was that there was a problem with their inner nakedness. They were now exposed for who they were. 
And I'm going to tell you what's going to end up happening, and this happens in our lives all the time, is the enemy, our enemy, Satan, will try to take something that you did and convince you that that's who you are. And when he convinces you that that's who you are, you will hide that. So if, you, you know, if you've done something sexually or if you've done something in your past and, and that's been something that's been marked by you, what the enemy will come and do, he is an accuser. And what an accuser does is he constantly accuses you of things. So the accuser comes and he says, not only what you did was wrong, but what you did makes you wrong. And this is who you are. So now you will always be known as the scarlet A. And they brand you as, as that. And so we hide. And isn't it amazing that the very presence that Adam and Eve longed for was the very presence that they were hiding from? And that's what shame does. Listen to me. Shame will always make us run from the one that we should be running to. I'll say that again. Shame will always make you run from the one you should be running to. The very presence of God that we long for was the very presence that these guys were running from. Why? Shame. Shame. And so they hid. They hid. I, you know, we, we love to play hide-and-go-seek. And, and uh, so recently we got a house that's a lot bigger, a lot more closets, a lot more room. And, and so our house is now the perfect hiding space. Uh, and so this is, we play hide-and-go-seek in the dark. It's a lot funner because then you can scare your kids and then they have bad dreams. It's awesome. My wife hates it. Um, but we do it. That's how we do it. We play hide-and-go-seek. And we oftentimes play, play hide-and-go-seek. And, and if there's anyone that is the master hide-and-go-seeker, it is actually Joel, my youngest. He, from a very young age, had the... And, and this was an incredible gift that he has. Because he's so small, he could fit in the smallest of cracks. And literally just stay there. And we've played hide-and-go-seeks for like 35 minutes. Everybody else is found, and nobody knows where Joel is. And the brother will be up in the middle of a cabinet between all this other stuff, just, just in there. And then you go, and you finally go, Joel, open, you got to come out. You know, you get kind of mad, like, you got to come out of here. And so he comes out, and he's like sweating, you know, because he's been hiding for so long. But he's the master. But I love it when we play hide-and-go-seek when he has his oxygen on. Because he can't hide. He's got a trail of his oxygen that's everywhere, wherever he goes. So it's hilarious. He's running around thinking like he can't be found, and he's like hiding underneath a bed. And all you do is you just take his oxygen cord, and you just, (laughs) hey, man. (laughs) It's terrible, but it's hilarious. It's hilarious because he thinks he's actually hiding, and everybody else knows he's really not. And let me just say this. God is the worst person to play hide-and-go-seek with. God is the worst person. He's the worst person to play hide-and-go-seek with. Like, there's nothing. Like, you can go find He's like, I found you. Like, dang. You always know. And yet, so oftentimes, we, we hide from God, thinking we're hiding from God, but we're truth. We're really not hiding from anybody. We're just hiding from ourselves. We're hiding from healing. We're hiding from a God who loves us. Let me show you. I'll, I'll show you this. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. The Bible says this. No creature is hidden from his sight. Boom, gotcha. No creatures hidden from his sight. All are what? What's that word? All are naked. There's like naked and there's like naked. You know, it's like two totally different levels. Okay? All are naked. And, and look at that. And they're what? They're exposed. 
to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Well, who are we going to give account to? God. So according to God, no creature's hidden. God sees everybody. All are naked. All are exposed. Don't play hide and seek with God. Okay? And God's not fooled. And this is what we've got to understand here. God sees the darkest part of your life, and he still loves you. Like you don't, you might can fool all of us. You might can fool your own wife, but you can't fool God. And yet, despite that you can't fool God and he sees you in your darkest, naked, most exposed, he still loves you. Come on, that's some great news. And if we do hide, this is what I've learned, because I used to be a professional hider. And if you do hide, that's exhausting. And I'm going to tell you why it's exhausting. Because you constantly have dread and fear of what will people do if they find out. You're constantly covering up your trails. You're constantly going back. You're always looking over your shoulder. You're always hiding your phone. You're always wondering if you accidentally sent a text to the wrong person. You're, all, you're always deleting histories. You're always, y'all see, what, y'all see how exhausting this is? And yet we live this way where we're constantly hiding the shame, constantly hiding the pain, constantly wanting to put on a front that we're better than we actually are. And, and in the end, the only person we're deceiving is ourselves. So we hide. Number four, we blame it. So we mask it. That's the first one. Then after, after we mask it, we, we fake it. If we fake it, we hide it. And if we hide it, we blame it. Look at, look at verse 11. It says, And God said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I've commanded you not to eat? The man said, Here's what the man says. The man says, That woman! That woman you gave me, she's defective. Okay? She's got some issues. You know what I mean? Something not right, God. So here's the question. Who is Adam blaming? Who's Adam blaming? He's blaming God. He's actually blaming God. What does he say? That woman, look what he says. That woman whom you gave. This is your issue. You clean this up. This is your fault. You made her. And then if I would have been God... I'd have been like, that was from your rib, boy. Okay, that's from you. That's all you. You got all up. Okay, so anyway, thank God I'm not God. All right, so (laughs) thank God. The woman whom you gave to be with me. So not only is he blaming it on God, he is blaming it on his wife as well. He's doing a double blame, like double wrong. So blames God, blames the woman. The woman you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree. I ate it. You know, if she wouldn't have been naked, maybe I wouldn't have taken it. I don't know what he said. So anyways, okay. So look at the next verse. Is it up there? Got the next verse? Whoop. There we go. Okay. Then the Lord God said to the woman. Okay, so he passes it down. Let's, let's, talk to, let's talk to Eve. What is it that you've done? And the woman said, that serpent. That serpent deceived me, and I ate it. So who's she blaming? She, she blaming... She blaming the devil, saying on that one. We all do the same thing. We all do the same thing. And whoever we want to, to use to be the blame, we, just, we use it and we throw everybody under the bus. 
It was the kids. It's the kids' fault. How many know they're the easy ones? <laughs> you know, it's the kids' fault. If you wouldn't have caused me to act this way, it's the kids' fault. We'll talk about this a little bit more next week when we talk about how to deal with reconciling some of those things. But we, we blame it. We blame it. So we mask it, we, we fake it, we hide it, we blame it, we try to get all of this blamed off. So, okay, so that's all the, the bad things that we do. Let's get some good news here, okay? So here's the good news. I believe that God doesn't want you to have shame. I believe God wants to get shame off of you. And here's where I want you to, to listen in very closely, okay? Look at this verse with me. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 25. This is my prayer, and this has been my prayer all week leading up to this time. And this is what God says he will do when it comes to our shame. Watch what it says. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness. And from all your idols, I'll cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I'll put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from you. Uh, from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and be careful to obey my words. Here's what I want you to underline. If you can underline anything, I want you to underline I will. There's a lot of them. And I want you to realize real quick what God desires to do this morning. I will. I will. Notice nothing in here is on you. Did you notice that? Nothing is here on you. Nothing says, and you will, and you will. He says, I will. I will sprinkle you. I will clean you. I will give you a new heart. I will give you a new spirit. I, I will do this in you. Now, uh, I don't know about y'all. I, I like to work. You know, I, I have a job where I'm indoors most of the time. I, I'm, I'm working indoors. And, and listen, being outside in this summer heat, I give all props to all of you that work outside. You are amazing because... I can't handle it, okay? And, and so, but I do. On my days off, the way that I decompress is I actually like to go outside and work with my hands. And it's been said, if you work with your head all week, usually you like to work with your hands to get relief. And if you work with your hands all week, you usually like to read or just be inside or just have something under 113. Um, so, and so I like to work with my hands. And so I, I, I like to cut my grass, and, and so this house that we got, we got a, a bigger, much bigger yard now, and so a lot, lot of work that has to go into making sure that my grass is cut. And so usually when I, have to, when I usually do do my grass and all that, it is an all-day affair of cutting, blowing, sweeping, bagging, pruning. I mean, I, just, I go all out of it, and everything within my Mexican being comes out. I tap into my inner Mexican, and I get after it. Get after it. And so by the end of the day, when it's, you know, it's dinner time, Lindsay's ringing a little bell and, hey, come on, it's dinner. I'm walking in and I've weeded and everything. And I, I don't stink. I stank. How many of you know, y'all many know what I'm talking about? Like you just drive on a lawnmower past somebody and they fall over. That's how you just know, like it's bad. Maybe you have some work days like that. It's just bad. And so, you know, I walk into the house and Lindsay's like, ah, uh-uh! and I know what that means. That means you better go take a shower. And how many of you know after you've been in the hot, drenched sun, you're nasty, you're sweating all over, you got filth all over you, you go into that shower and you just sit there and you don't even turn it on hot. You just turn it on as cold as you possibly can and you just let that water just, and you just sit there and you're just like, you just like take it in. You're like, this is the glory. Like this is, you're just soaking it all in. And as you're doing it, literally, like it's just, I like looking down because it's just like black 
that's running into the drain of all of this dirt and filth that's going. My wife hates it because she has to clean it. But uh, it's just it's nasty. You know, it's all coming off of me. It's just this refreshing feeling just to feel that. And usually, you know, I get out of the shower and the AC's been on. So, how I mean, you know, you just like get out of the shower and it's like, I don't even towel off. I just, you know, sh- you know I'm joking. Okay, so I do towel off. And, and it's just like, it's cool and it's hitting your skin. You're like, oh, God, this feels so good. And like for me, I go and like get like pajamas on, you know, just get something comfortable. I go sit like, this is the life. Like this is, man, this feels good. Okay, take that image right there and take it over here to Ezekiel. And this is what God wants you to feel when it comes to shame. He wants you to get into the shower with all your shame. And he wants to clean you. He wants to put a new heart in you. He wants to put his spirit in you. And he wants you just to be like, this just feels good. This is what it is. So how do we get there? How do we get this shame off? How do we walk in no more shame? Write this down. Number one, we got to take off the fig leaves. We got to take off the fig leaves. If you skip down now to, to Genesis 3.21, it says, Then the Lord God said, look, look, look at what it says. It says, And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. The Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Now here's what I want you to listen in real close. In order for Adam and Eve to accept God's covering, to cover their shame, they had to take off the fig leaf. God didn't say, just leave the fig leaves on, we'll cover it. He said, no, 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 no. I made these clothes for you, you've got to take off the fig leaf. And that's because the healing of shame takes place as much in our undressing than it does in our dressing. See, the healing takes place when God says this, I see you as you are, broke, busted, and disgusting. I see you broken and hurting, full of pain and full of shame. I see that. And I love you. There is no greater form of intimacy than for someone to see all of your imperfections and flaws and still love you. Because let's, let's be honest, women. Many women who have insecurities with their body, the reason you have insecurities with your body is because you think, if he really saw me for how I was or for how I am, he won't love me. Guys, they don't care about their body. They're like, you take it as it is. Okay, so, but for women, it's a whole nother thing. That's because we're afraid of what happens when they find out the real me. And this is an opportunity for God to say, I love you as you. See, here, because here's the deal. Grace reminds us that we're loved, not because we deserve it, but because he's made us worthy. You need to hear that again. God, grace reminds you that you're loved not because you deserve it. You didn't get good enough, and now God's like, okay, I'll love you now. You didn't, you didn't work for this. God loves you because he made you. He loves you because you're his. That's why he loves you. And so Proverbs 28, this is, this is a, a proverb for us in this, 
message. It says, Proverbs 28, verse 13, he who conceals his sin, watch what it says. He who conceals his sin, covers his sin, hides his sin, fakes his sin, blames his sin, however he does it, when he does these things, he does not prosper. But whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. See, condemnation is, look what you've done. And I don't know about y'all, but when you've blown it, especially in parenting, if there's anything that I've heard the enemy more is when I've blown it in my parenting and in my marriage. And the number one thing the enemy wants to come in and say is, you're not a good father. And you're not a good husband. And how dare you call yourself a man of God? And how dare you say that you're a pastor? How dare you? That's the condemnation of the enemy that comes our way. But the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is an advocate reminding us of our righteousness. And he brings conviction. And conviction is one of the greatest gifts that God can ever give us. It's one of the greatest gifts that God can ever give us. Because this is what conviction does. Condemnation says, you are wrong, and this is who you are. Conviction says, that's not who you are, and with my help, we're going to fix this. And conviction comes, and God puts his little finger, well, he don't have a little finger, his big finger, on a little area in your heart and says, let's work on this together. Let's work on this together. See, you don't phase out sin. You deal with it. You don't phase it out. You deal with it. Now write this down. It's not in your notes, but I I feel like some of you need to hear this. If you cover your sin, God will expose it. But if you expose your sin, God will cover it. If you cover your sin, hide it, fake it, run from it, blame it, God will expose it. And that's actually his loving grace to do that. But if you will expose it in the right place, with the right people, God will cover it. So we got to take off the fig leaves. And number two, last one, is we got to put on grace clothes. So we take off something, and then we put on something. We take off the fig leaves, but we put on the grace clothes. See, for Adam and Eve's shame... To be covered, the lamb had to die and lose its covering. The lamb's skin had to be ripped off and it had to die. And I want to show you who our lamb is. Hebrews chapter 12. Look at this. Hebrews chapter 12. It says this. Looking to Jesus, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Now look at these three next words. What does it say? Say it out loud. Despising the shame. shame. Who's shame? Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life. If there's anybody that doesn't have shame, it's Jesus. Jesus has no shame. Whose shame does he bear? Our shame. And so he endures the cross, despising the shame, and he's seated at the right hand of God, uh, throne of God. We've got to understand, Jesus' skin was torn off his body. He completely hung naked. He bore our shame. He was before the crowd that was ridiculed. That was the price of shame. But in doing so, because Jesus took on our shame, we have the ability to take on his righteousness. He now covers us with his righteousness, with his life. And listen when I say this. God takes no joy in you wearing shame that Jesus already wore. Amen. I amen myself. That was a good one. 
God takes no joy in you wearing shame Jesus already wore. No more shame. Jesus wore that shame. See, Romans 10, 11 says, for the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. And I want to read this last verse, and then we're going to close it out. Isaiah 61, 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul exult in my God, for he has, look what, it, look what he's done. He's clothed me with the garments of salvation. This is what he's done. And he has covered me. He's covered me with the robe of righteousness. A bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. And I love this because Christ doesn't just merely heal our shame, but he clothes us with robes of righteousness. He clothes us like a bride with, his, how many know a bride doesn't just wear just any kind of dress. A bride wears a gorgeous, decorated dress. And God is saying that if you will take off of your fig, take the fig leaves off, you can have this amazing covering over your body. You can have my righteousness. And I believe in this moment where we are right here, some of you, many of you have walked in and you are still to this day carrying shame from something in the past. Maybe the past could have been yesterday, but maybe the past was 20 or 30 years ago. But I think there's many of you that are walking in here and you've carried shame and the accuser, the enemy, has continually come and tried to name you as whatever this past is. He's trying to keep you there and paralyze you there. And I believe today God is wanting to set some people free and God is wanting you to walk out of here with no more shame. Amen? So I want us to do this. Just listen, this is a holy moment. So please, please, everyone listen. I want you to close your eyes right where you are. And I want us right here to get very, very honest with the Lord. You know, repentance, really, all it is, we, that, that term seems like a, a bad negative word, but all it means is, is that I just turn the opposite way. That's all it means. It means that it's not my way, it's his way. I'm wrong, he's right. That's all that that is. And there's some of you today, you've tried to hate, hide it, you've tried to fake it, you've tried to mask it, you've tried to blame it, you've tried all of these ways to fix that shame. But the problem is, it's still there. It's still there. And you still walk around with that shame. And the shame that we walk around with is only because we've allowed it to stay there. And today, God is giving you the opportunity to walk out of here free, clean, new heart, new spirit inside of you. And so I want to deal with this first. If you've walked in here and you're walking through just things that are in your past that are extremely shameful and you still are wrestling through that, I want you all across this room just to raise your hand. Listen, I'm raising my hand. If that's you in this place, you're walking with any kind of shame, God wants to heal you of that. Come on, all over this place. Hands raised, my hands raised as well. God, I just pray right now, Lord, over each person in this room, God. God, you know what it is that's in that past that's brought that shame. But God, you desire to bring us back to the original creation, the original way you designed for us, God, for us to live unashamed, not ashamed. God, we come before you right now, naked before you, exposed for who we are. There's no one we can hide before, before you, God, you know it all. God, you know our thoughts, Lord, you know our, our deeds, you know what's been done in secret. God, and we pray, Lord, right now, God, that you would do what your word says in Ezekiel and that you would pour your spirit out and that you would cleanse this place. And God, I pray, Lord, that we would, we would take off the fig leaves. 
We would get open and honest about where we are. And in doing that, God, what we expose, you would cover. God, I pray that you would cover today. I pray that you would heal hearts. I pray that this would be a defining moment for so many people, God, that they can walk out of here free and clean. And God, set free from that thing that has has chained them down for so long. God, I pray this over them in Jesus' name. I want to continue to pray for those that are here and and you walked in and, and it's really been your way your, your will, your thing, you've done it your way. And today God is inviting you to know him personally. Listen, this isn't religion where we try to just do things to earn God's approval. This is, we've already got God's approval and now God is compelling you and drawing you today to be in relationship with him, to know God and to find freedom in your life. And that comes, true peace doesn't come on the outside, it comes on the inside. It comes as we get our heart to the Lord. The Bible calls this being born again, that God gives us a new heart. And the only way that we get that is when we acknowledge that we've done it our own way and it hasn't worked. And we repent, we turn to the Lord. And the Bible says he will give us a new heart with new desires. And if that's you today and you don't know the Lord, not that you don't just know about him, but you don't know him personally, and you want God to not only forgive you and clean you, but you want him to give you a new heart and new, and, and new desires. If that's you, all across this room, would you just raise your hand right where you are, and I want to pray for you. Come on, I see your hand, and I see yours, I see yours, I see yours, yours and yours, all across this room. Come on, anybody else today, pray for me. Pray for me. Come on, I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being bold enough. Thank you. The Bible says that if we won't be ashamed of God, he won't be ashamed of us. So today, God, I pray, Lord. God, I pray for all those. You can put your hands down right where you are. God, I pray, Lord, for all those people. God, so many hands raised today, God. Lord, wanting to know you. Would you just repeat this after me and everybody in this room? Come on, let's just repeat this. Say, Father, I'm sorry for doing things my way. I repent. And today, forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Give me a new heart, a new spirit. I want to live according to your will, according to your way, and according to your word. Today's a new day. Help me to live all for you in Jesus' name. Come on, and everybody, we give all of them a huge applause. Heaven's rejoicing.